of the second of Nisan. And Rebbe underscored how the main component of this day is the anniversary of the inauguration of the previous Rebbe's leadership, because what's pertinent to us is um, the previous Rebbe, and therefore, because um, he's the leader of our generation, therefore that's the main focus of the day of the second of Nisan. However, before we get into the previous Rebbe and his leadership, let's talk about this, the sun that has set, the passing of the Rebbe Rashab, and then we'll get into the meaning of the previous Rebbe's uh, day of his inauguration on the second of Nisan. So, we said that we wanted to bring a lesson which is understood to every single Jew. And, uh, and therefore, we're going to learn a lesson from his name. Shevons can easily see his name in the same way. But we found something unusual about his name. Although his name, he has three names, when he signed his name was, Dover was in one word. He didn't have Dover and then Bear, but Dover was in one word. He put together the Dover and the Bear in one. And usually, when in a document in Torah, there is a distinction between the Hebrew name and the Yiddish name. Your name is the Hebrew name, Dove, and then, the, then in, a, in a legal document in Torah, you'll be called, and your nickname to Bear. That's, that's a nickname. That's, that, that's a, uh, um, what you're called. But here, the Rebbe Rashab clearly wanted that to be part of his name. He wanted the mundane, the non-holier, the name which is not in the holy tongue of Hebrew, to be part of his name. And we're learning about the significance of this, and what we got so far is that the Gemara says that bears have two characteristics. Bears are full of flesh, bears are full of meat, and number two, bears don't rest. And so we learned that the idea of uh, being full of meat means to be uh, encumbered. Is that the way they added the word the name Shalom before the bear? We're going to get there today, right? Oh, seriously? Yeah. Wow. So we're going to uh, learn what, what the word Shalom is. So specifically, what's the word Shalom about? So we said like this. The idea of dove bear is, is to connect the dove and the bear. Dove is being full of meat, and bears are full of meat, being totally en- encumbered with lots of physical responsibility to elevate the physical world. And what are you supposed to elevate it to? You're supposed to elevate it to holiness. That's represented by the Hebrew word dove. To take the bear, to take the physical, to take the the uh, the unholy, the mundane, and make that holy. Convert the the um, non-holy bear into the holy bear, um, to the holy dove, which also means bear, but in Hebrew. And that's the idea of not having rest. That. A Jew is always ascending higher and higher. And even when a Jew cannot ascend to a higher level, for whatever reason, the Jew doesn't feel comfortable in that kind of environment where he's not able to go higher. That's why um, bears also, learning from bears, bears, even they're in a cage, they cannot rest. They don't feel comfortable in a cage. They're always moving around. You think they're in a cage? Okay, so now they can finally rest. No, even in a cage, they're, they're always moving around. So, uh, so a Jew has to go higher and higher in the service of Hashem, and uh, in elevating the physical parts of his life, bring everything that's, that's there to holiness. But the question is, how do you do this? That's what we ended up yesterday. How do you do this? Hashem created a separation. Hamavdim in Kodesh Lachos, we say every Saturday night, Matzah Shabbos, there's a separation between the holy and the mundane. How are we supposed to transform it? So the answer is by the name Shalom, which prefaces the word Dover. Shalom means peace. And Shalom is not just about people stopping to fight with each other. Shalom is about the connection of opposites. 
And that's the purpose of what Torah is about. It says in the Talmud, Hashem gave the Torah to make peace in the world. That means the Torah causes in the world, which the word world in Hebrew means concealment, a place which hides godliness, the Torah creates, even in that environment of the world, that of concealment of godliness, the possibility and actual transformation of the mundane to holy. And the reason the Torah can do this is because the Torah has a similar characteristic itself. In order for a Torah scroll, scroll to be kosher, it has to have all letters of the Torah scroll. If there's one letter missing, it's not kosher. It doesn't matter what that letter is. Whether that letter is from the words, I am Lord your God, or those letters of the words, the sister of Lotan was Timna, doesn't matter. If a letter is missing, it's not, it's, not, it's not a kosher Torah scroll. So we see the Torah also has this equal sanctity in every single letter. It's similar to how things will be when Mashiach will come, when the Torah says, impurity will be removed from the world, and even the nations of the world will also be transformed to serve Hashem with one consent. Even when Mashiach will come, there will still be a distinction between the holy and the, and the unholy. Like the Gemara says that although the nations of the world will come to serve Hashem, they're still not going to be the, the Torah still, still describes them as strangers. The Torah is talking about how the nations of the world will help the Jewish people. It says strangers will come and they will shepherd your sheep. So they, it's, even though they're serving Hashem, the Torah still describes them as, as strangers. That means even after Mashiach will come, there's still going to be um, this, this effort to connect the mundane to the holy because there's still a distinction between the holy and the mundane. Um, it, another similar concept about the coming of Mashiach is that uh, when Mashiach comes, we're going to consistently ascend higher and higher, day after day, going higher and higher. So if you're going higher today than you were yesterday, so where you were yesterday could be considered mundane compared to the holy state you're in today. Or this is similar to what the Talmud describes as the ten levels of holiness. Israel is holy, but Jerusalem is holier. So we could say that the rest of, of uh, Israel is considered mundane compared to Jerusalem, or the difference between a Kohen and a Levi Yisrael. A Yisrael is considered a stranger compared to a Levi, and a Levi is considered a stranger compared to a Kohen. And so too in Hashem's names. Hashem has seven names, and they're all holy names, and yet there are um, names of Hashem which cannot be erased, and there are other names of Hashem which can be erased and just represent the represent Hashem, but they don't have contain, contain holiness in the same way that the seven names that can't be erased. So even when Mashiach will come, there's going to be the fusion of the holy and the unholy. So the Torah was given to create peace in the world. As Gemara says, anyone who studies the Torah causes it to be peace in the heavenly abode and on the earthly abode. That means that not only does the Torah cause peace in heaven, the Torah causes peace in the world, and we said before the word world means concealment. The Torah transforms the mundane to holy. And the Torah, the, um, I use the word abode, but the word pamalia doesn't mean abode. Pamalia refers to the heavenly um, entourage, or the earthly entourage. In Yiddish, and also in English, Pamalia is the source of the word family. So, the idea of Pamalia is that there's a group, or there's a family. 
anything connected with the earth is affected by Torah. There's peace, it's not just in heaven, the Torah caused the whole heavenly family to have peace, but the Torah also causes it to be peace in the whole earthly family. Everything which is outside the board of holiness is um, not part and not part of the family. The Torah connects it also to become part of the family. And because of the great virtue the Torah has, it's able to cause peace even here. The Torah is able to take unholy things and to transform them to become holy. This is how the Baal explains the verse, turn away from evil and do good. Baal says, how should you um, serve Hashem? Turn away from evil and do good? The Baal says, it's not just telling you there's two ways of serving Hashem. One way is turning away from evil, and the other way is, turn, is, is, is doing good. Rather, Baal says, one way of serving Hashem is turning away from evil. Other way of serving Hashem is to transform the evil that you've turned away from and you and and turn that into, into goodness. Take the unholy, take the bad and transform it into good. So regarding the anniversary of Rashab's passing, and then learning the lesson from his name, that his name and his life and his essence empowers us in service of his service of Hashem, which on the day of his passing has this uh, um, all that he's done, says in Tanya, that his life ascends in David's passing, it empowers us to connect the holy and the unholy. As we've seen his two names, Dov and Ber, the one that's in Hebrew, and one is in Yiddish, a non-holy language. And how does it, how, what happens to those two parts of his name? They become one name. And how do they become one name? It's through the word Shalom, through the word peace, which is the first name of the Rebrasha. So what's the lesson for us? From the way he signed his name. Since the Rebbe Rashab signed his name in the way that both names, Dov and Ber, became one, so that opens up a whole new way of serving Hashem, that not only must we engage with the mundane, but we have to connect the mundane with the holy by elevating the mundane to holiness. And this is especially emphasized in the life of the Rebbe Rashab. The Alter Rebbe also had two names, and also in his name, um, one name was from Hebrew, and one name was in Yiddish. Shneor is Hebrew, and Zalman is in Yiddish. But nevertheless, when he signed his name, sometimes he signed his name as Shneor. Sometimes he signed his name as Zalman. And even when he signed his name as Shneor Zalman, uh, there's still an interruption between the Hebrew name and the Yiddish name. The Mittler Rebbe, although we, the Mittler Rebbe's name was Dovber, although we find some letters where the Mittler Rebbe would, would indeed sign his name as Dov and Ber together, Dover, but that's not in every place. There are places in the introduction to the books that were written in his lifetime, uh, that were printed in his lifetime, like the Tanya um, and others, his name is printed there and written there as Dover. And so to Zichamagin, although sometimes he was also called Dover as one word, and sometimes it still was called Dove and Bear, two names. But by the Rabbi Rashab, whenever he assigned his name, the two names were one. Because by him, there was an emphasis of connecting the unholy and the holy. And besides this, what the Mithra Rebbe did, and the life of the Mithra Rebbe, all of his inyanim, all the aspects and elements of the Mithra Rebbe, 
aren't as connected to our generation. But regarding the Rebbe Rashab, whose only son was the leader of our generation, was the previous Rebbe, and especially now that we are on the day of his passing, certainly all of the matters of the Rebbe Rashab are very um, connected. That's not saying that they're... Saying there's more of an emphasis, you'd think, the leader of our generation, the leader of the previous generations, but the Rebbe Rashab, since he was the, the Nasi, his only son was the previous Rebbe, who was subsequently the leader of the generation, therefore, especially now it's on David's passing, there's a special emphasis on learning from him and his name. So what's the practical lesson from this? It's known, the statement of the previous Rebbe, whose leadership begins again on the 2nd of Nisan, that's the day his son started to shine. How do you know, said the previous Rebbe, if you are studying Chassidus properly, if you have a Bechein? The word Bechein means, and therefore. What are you going to do? You know you're learning Chassidus properly if you have a Bechein. If there's no Bechein, if there's no therefore, you're not learning it properly. So when a Jew says, I'm serving Hashem properly. Why? I'm working hard. I don't even eat and drink enough because I'm working so hard. So the question that you have to ask, he has to ask himself, is are you connecting the mundane to holy? As long as he hasn't achieved that in the service of Hashem, his service of Hashem is not yet perfect. And since this is something that Hashem asks of each of us, certainly Hashem gives us the ability to do this, as we said earlier, that whatever Hashem asks us to do, He gives us the power to do this. So the lesson we're supposed to learn from the way the Rebbe Hashem signed his name, the word in Hebrew, chasima, the sign, also means a conclusion of something. The way, I mean, just like in a document, the signatures in the bottom of the document, so a chasima also means the way some things are closed up. So, regardless, whatever the document is talking about, the way things need to be sealed, the way the service of Hashem of a Jew has to, um, the consensus of all the service of Hashem, the, the sum total of it, has to be the connection of the unholy with the holy. By taking unholy things and elevating them to holiness. Until the unholy and the holy become one. As we see in the name of the Rebbe Hashab, that the names, the holy name and the unholy name, the mundane name, become one name. So the chsima. The, uh, the, our, our, the conclusion of all of our service of Hashem has to be, what are we doing? What's the impact in the world? Are we connecting the unholy with the holy? And this signature of the Rebbe Hashem was sent to all places because he wrote this on, on letters. So that means it wasn't just a, a, something that he had personally in, in the books that he had in his home. He, wrote, he signed his name that way. This is the way he signed letters. Letters are sent to all places. And not just he signed letters that were sent to all places, but this was published by the previous Rebbe. And the reason he published this was in order to publicize and to let let all of us know that this lesson of transforming the unholy to holy is something that is relevant to all Jews, to every Jew who sees or hears about the way the Rebbe Hashab signed his name. This lesson that we learn from the way the Rebbe Hashab signed his name the lesson of transforming the unholy, the non-holy, the mundane to holiness, is something that is especially emphasized on the Shabbos, after the Rebbe HaShabbos passing. Friday is the anniversary of the Rebbe HaShabbos passing, and, uh, this, uh, and the Shabbos is the day after the Rebbe HaShabbos passing. So this, all the lessons we learned so far have a special relevance to Shabbos. Let's see on line 34, 
What's the lesson? Close in the Shabbos. What's the holy of Shabbos? Kodesh. So of course, the Shabbos is Shabbos. There's a zayin in the some chalakish or listen Israel. Shabbos is a holy day. Besides Shabbos being a holy day because Hashem made it a holy day, there's something that's added in Shabbos by the Jewish people. There's a concept of adding to Shabbos. You're supposed to accept Shabbos a few minutes earlier. You're supposed to conclude Shabbos a few minutes after Shabbos is over. So the Jewish people add to Shabbos. They say, Meris, Lashem Yisrael, Lohesim Echel HaKedosh, Kachas HaZman Shaykh LaChel, Lashem Echel Tamim HaShabbos. The Jewish people are meant to take something which is mundane, not Shabbos, and turn that into Shabbos. Shabbos organically is holy. However, a Jew is meant to transform the unholy and to make it holy. The holiness that Hashem ascribes to Shabbos is infinite. It's something that Hashem does. When the Jew adds some time from Friday and sometimes from to Saturday night to Shabbos, it's limited. It's something that a Jew does with his effort, and there's a limited amount of time that you're able to add to Shabbos. Nevertheless, although our addition to Shabbos, our contribution to the holiness of Shabbos seems to be negligible in comparison to what Shabbos has uh, because of um, Hashem's creation of Shabbos, yet there's something that we have that super that, that surpasses what Shabbos is organically. Number one, first of all, it's something that we've done on our own. And the Talmud says a person always cherishes something they've done on their own more than something they receive from others. And number two, this is very interesting what the theme we're discussing, taking something which is mundane and making it holy. Bring light out of darkness creates a much greater light. So when we add to Shabbos, something, something more is achieved, something something very special happens. There's a greater kind of light than the regular light of Shabbos because we're transforming darkness into light. We're transforming Friday into Shabbos, Saturday night into Shabbos. The Nesel is there besides that. Besides the fact that we add time to Shabbos, closing the Shabbos should bring us to the Holy Day of Shabbos is, it's amazing, whenever they ever say something parenthetic, like, you get such a, so much... That we don't know about anything, and they ever says that parenthetically, and, and you know, oh, that's what it is. What's the holy day of Shabbos? Shabbos is the day when everything becomes so clear and so luminous. On Shabbos there was no night. Hashem created the world. It says by every other day of creation, and it was evening. It was morning. Regarding Shabbos doesn't say that. Throughout Shabbos, on Shabbos all there was was light. We find this also in the day of Shabbos also that. All the six days, even day one of creation, the Torah emphasizes there was an evening, there was a morning. But Shabbos specifically, we say it doesn't have an evening. Um, but Shabbos only ha- yeah, Shabbos only has light. It's thirty-six hours of light, and there's a halacha that um, highlights this truth. There's a rule in the Gemara about trust. And there are certain people the Gemara classifies as not trustworthy because they're not, they don't, let's say they don't feel that certain parts of Torah, uh, they're not observing those parts of Torah. 
and you can't trust them that they are going to give you the right answer about those items. So let's say separating 10% of your crops to um, give it to the uh, levy, to the Kohen, the Truma. So can you eat the fruits? If you ask someone who's not observant, did if you separated mice, did you do it? So during the week, we say, you can't. Um, because you can't trust. The person says he did it, but you're not allowed to eat it because maybe he's not saying the truth. But on Shabbos, everything is clear and everything is luminous. Not only are things clear about who this person is, but even when he's talking about his property, he's talking about the fruits which are in his, in, in his jurisdiction, his ownership. And yet he says to you, these fruits are kosher, you could eat them, trust them on Shabbos. Because on Shabbos, everything is clear and luminous. So this idea that we learned from the Rebbe HaShab's signature of transforming the unholy, making it holy, um, this is more emphasized on Shabbos and everything becomes clear and luminous. Practically, as we are now in the Shabbos after the day of his passing, and all of the work of the Rebbe HaShab is elevated by Yechulu, there is an and not just it's elevated, but Shabbos, is, there's, a high, there's an emphasis on pleasure, not just on serving Hashem, but on, on enjoying the service of Hashem. So we need to pay attention, especially to the way that Rabbi Hashem signed his name, and this is a blessing for every single Jew, young and old, men, women, and children, equally. Especially those who merited to see the Rabbi Hashem, and which more so those who merited to hear his teachings. This message is especially relevant to them. And because the Torah says, love your fellow like yourself, so it's understood that they need to impact others wherever they can to do the same. One time, Debra Hashab, Debra uh, said by Fabrengi that anyone, anyone who saw Debra Hashab should picture him. So there was one chassid, his name was Rabbi Hilvich. And Debra said to Rabbi Hilvich, are you picturing Debra Hashab? He says, I see the Debra Hashab with a clear glass, with a transparent glass. He meant, you see, looking at the Rebbe, looking at the Rebbe, he sees the Debra Hashab. Anyways, so uh, this lesson, especially relevant those who merited to see and hear their Shabbat, and they have to share this with others, especially on Shabbos, there's an emphasis of, of loving your fellow like yourself, because that's a day when Hashem shows the love He has for us, and that's a day when we show our love for Hashem. Our love for Hashem is, is revealed in this day. Some love for us is revealed in this day. So love of Hashem and love of the Jewish people are connected to each other. As is known, that love of, love of, loving Hashem and loving the Jewish people are one. And it says also clearly in the Gemara, not just in the Balshanda says this, but also says in the Gemara, it says in the Gemara, in the Sechta Shabbos, do not leave your friend in the front of your father. Who is your friend in the front of your father? Rashi says it means Hashem. So the simple translation refers to another Jew, he's called your friend, and also refers to Hashem. So it's understood that in Shabbos, you have a special ability to be involved in Abbas Yisrael, and therefore, we have to make an effort to share this instruction with others, not in a way of anger, and not anything less, of course, not beneath anger, like really, like, you know, giving the message in a way that's uh, unhealthy, but rather in a pleasant way, in a peaceful way, with love. Since we are in the month of Nisan, and the month of Nisan has two nuns, and the Gemara says two nuns means miracles upon miracles. This is a special blessing, special empowerment to be successful and all the above, not just to see fruits in your labor based upon how much you put in, to see um, success in how much you put in, but there's a blessing in the month of this to see, to see miraculous results of what you're doing. Not just miraculous, but miracles upon miracles. And way beyond what you put in. 
And so we should merit to see the main miracle, how Hashem redeemed us in the month of Nisan, Hashem will again redeem us in the month of Nisan, the true Pik Ulu to Mashiach Zakenu, in the simple sense, the Matam Saratvachim, and all those who repose in dust will rise and, 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 and sing. Among them, both the Rebbe Hashab, whose son sat on the second of Nisan, and the previous Rebbe, whose son rose on the second of Nisan, and Moshe and Aaron, and will merit to build the third base of Migdash, which is connected to the third attribute, the idea of peace. And peace also comes from the same word as perfection, that means that we'll be in a, in, in a state of perfection when Mashiach comes. Because all the Jewish people will leave Gullus from young and old, sons and everyone, uh, young and old, our sons and daughters, and all of us will marry together the true and complete Ulta Mashiach and then we'll be able to complete all of our mitzvahs in a perfect way, exactly as Hashem wants us to. May it happen speedily in our days, Mamash. Amen. Amen. Amen.